This podcast is for alcoholics that have a willingness to recover from their alcoholism by being taught and practicing the principles of the 12 steps as outlined in the big book and the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous. My name is Ilya and I am an alcoholic. Page XIII, forward to first edition, first paragraph. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. For them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. Page 17, Chapter 2, There is a Solution, Third Full Paragraph. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. So in the first step, we learned about the disease, and that was the bad news. Now, Bill Wilson is telling us that this is the great news that this book carries. So we had to accept our disease in step one, and now, we need to accept the solution. Remember in the beginning of my every cast, I read the very first paragraph from the forward to the first edition to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. So again, this book is not an opinion, it's a solution. And a good chunk of it explains the problem. But the primary purpose of this book is to help another alcoholic achieve sobriety. So when you go to meetings and you listen to everyone else's opinion on how to stay sober, remember that's their opinion. The book is the solution. And why is that? Well, I just read it. We've discovered a common solution that we can absolutely agree. Now you're thinking... How do you get a hundred people in a room who can agree absolutely to this common solution? I mean, that's hard enough when you have a hundred non-alcoholics together. But uh, imagine a room filled with a hundred people with all of them agreeing to this solution unequivocally. That's what this book is claiming. And through my experience, it holds to be true. Uh, so, I certainly wanted to 
admit the problem after step one, and I, I felt the spiritual experience that came with surrender, but now I was ready to work my own program. That was my experience. And uh, going to the meetings and sharing and uh, feeling better after a meeting was all I needed. Service and fellowship uh, and in the, in the amount of doses that I chose uh, would be my solution. But uh, after a period of time, uh, that, that spiritual intoxication wears off. And I, uh, I certainly don't have the tools uh, that are necessary to uh, put my mind at rest when I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. So again, what did we learn uh, in the last session? Why do I need to work these steps? Well, turn to page 23 of There is a Solution. I read it before when I was explaining the disease. First full paragraph. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than his body. So I have to accept the fact that this disease doesn't go away because I put down drinking and I realize that I have a condition uh, that is incurable, I still need to uh, treat my mind and treat the disease that lies within my mind. Uh, it's a formless disease. Cancer has form. You can see it under a microscope. This one you can't, so we don't believe it's there. But it's there. If you have it, you know you have it. That's why nobody else can diagnose another alcoholic. Only an, an alcoholic can diagnose himself. So that's recapping the first step uh, without getting too much into it again. Um, I need to recap the condition and that this book says there is a common solution that we can all agree upon. So that being said, we're now going to uh, page 24 to learn about the, uh, the solution. So, if you look at the fourth full paragraph down at the, uh, the bottom, um, there's a, uh, a line that says, when this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid and unless locked up may die or go permanently insane. So the main three words in that sentence is beyond human aid. So once you've accepted that you have alcoholic tendencies, uh, anything short of being locked up, um, there is no help for you that can be provide, provided from another human being, including yourself. So a doctor, a sponsor, friends, ministers, parents, these are other people. You're beyond their help. They may love you, they may care about you, they may explain the disease to you, but they cannot help you except show you this program at the very most that they can help you is to support you and show you this program. Outside of that, they cannot cure your disease. So what do we need to do in order to understand 
the solution? Well, if it's beyond human aid, we have to start to believe that there's a higher power. Uh, call it what you will. I'm very open-minded when it comes to that. Uh, the word God is all over the book. And religion is taught. And we all have a conception of God that we're taught that's in our subconscious. Uh, it could be a bearded man in the clouds with a staff judging you and punishing you. That could be your immediate uh, conception. Um, or it could be a loving God which cares for you and wants your well-being uh, on this earth to be happy, joyous, and free. That's what I found it to be. Um, I also uncovered that uh, there's a lot more to God than an image of God in a form uh, such as a body God. Uh, so there are lots of open-minded things that you have to start considering here. But for now, if you're new, just know this. It's not you. All right. You're not God. Uh, your ego, if you want to use another word for it, is not God. You are not the master of your own destiny when it comes to alcoholism. A higher power is necessary. And at first, one of my uh, sponsors, I've had a couple sponsors over the years, um, when he first got to a treatment center, he would not believe in the God concept. And so the counselor told him that pick a chair. You can pick any chair in here and make that your higher power. He thought the guy was ridiculous. So he picked a chair and said, fine, this will be my higher power. But then he sat in it and said, well, can I actually pick out that comfortable chair, more comfortable chair, the fluffier one over there? Uh, it's, it's a lot more, you know, cozy. So his, his counselor let him make the more comfortable chair his higher power. But it still worked. Uh, the moment that we really we, 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 we even just take the smallest step to admit that we're not God and something else is a higher power than us, even if it's in, uh, in, in an object, a doorknob, it doesn't matter. Eventually, you'll start to believe that your higher power is the group at your meetings. Um, they're humans, but at least there's a consciousness in the room, a God consciousness in the room that um, is helping and supporting in one another, which is a power greater than ourselves. So it, it grows uh, just to give you, you know, uh, uh, a, uh, an experience of mine. Um, I had always thought that God was punishing and it was a, uh, a God that uh, wanted me to be unhappy if I didn't follow these dogmatic rules of my religion. So I had to let go of the fact that religion um, wasn't the program, that spirituality was the program. And uh, a higher power uh, is many, many things different things to many different people. So arguing about who's is right is why we're at war with each other. Uh, I mean, the four major religions have literally destroyed this earth and civilizations over religion. So me sitting here telling you which one is right is a waste of time because the truth is they all have spiritual principles entwined in their, in their texts, but uh, the dogma is, is what makes it religious. So that being said, um, just understand for now that a higher power is not you and hopefully that'll be good enough um
to get you started. Uh, so once we accept uh, that this higher power, whatever it may be uh, of our own conception, is the, uh, is the solution, uh, then we have to get to it. Uh, and so Bill Wilson is explaining in the beginning that there's certain things that he's setting us up for that we're going to have to do in order to have conscious contact with this higher power uh, that will remove the obsession of our drinking, our alcoholic minds, and uh, restore us to sanity, which is what the step says, that uh, we'd be restored to sanity. So uh, on page 25, the first full paragraph in italics, it says, there is a solution. Almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. That sentence is uh, a difficult pill to swallow. But Bill is trying to explain to us that these things are required in order us to do first before we can find uh, our higher power. Right now, the higher power is just an idea, and it's something you come to believe. And you come to believe in your higher power the more you practice the things that I just read. And the things that I just read are the action steps of what's to come in the program which you'll see is the rest of the program. Um, if you look at the uh, middle of that paragraph, um, it says here, a uh, simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. Well, what is that? The simple kit of spiritual tools is the 12 steps. So the 12 steps is the mechanism in which delivers you from your belief system to a conscious contact with your higher power, which then helps you change psychically and grow spiritually. Without going through this step-by-step -step procedure, if you will, this process, uh, you may think that you know your higher power and what its will is for you, but you actually have no idea. And invariably, uh, when the uh, delusion wears off, What's left is a restless, irritable, and discontent mind, and among many other character defects that accompany those emotions, that will lead you straight back to the bottle. Uh, we cannot emotionally control ourselves without the help of a higher power. And uh, drinking is what we do to treat that disease. So now hopefully you're seeing that no human power can provide you with that spiritual awakening that we get to in step 12 uh, without at least believing that there is a higher power that will restore me to sanity. Now, restoring me to sanity first was the very first thing that I had a difficult time with when I was new because I didn't think I was insane. I touched on this in the last podcast. I'm not in a rubber room. Um, I'm not in a straitjacket. Um, I'm not in an institution with crazy people. So how can you people keep calling me insane? Well, the step says that, it would that God could restore me to sanity, so I must be insane. The, op the only opposite thing that I could be of sane is insane. I just wasn't open-minded enough to understand that the definition of sanity wasn't 
just about having schizophrenia or some kind of mental illness that's obvious um, to others where I couldn't communicate or or behave in a manner that was anything but 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 called insane but this this was this was a hidden insanity within me and that insanity is emotional insanity all right and when my emotions are the truth about this world i become more and more insane as this disease progresses because the truth is 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 never changing and my emotions are ever changing so when i'm frustrated excited or in despair i feel like that's reality and i will become extremely self-deprecating and self-hateful and my behavior will be very much screwed up i'll be in fear and my actions will be a result of my incorrect judgments which is my thinking my incorrect behavior which is my fears and my incorrect actions will be harms to others and myself and think of it that way as a as a thinking behavioral and action process and without a split second of time going by i can go from a thought to a behavior to an action without thinking it through for less than a millisecond if i'm in uh, immediate judgment and that person or place or thing or situation activates a fear in me i may very well take an action that i horribly regret and forget about it when i'm drinking i'll do that without thinking but i still do that when i'm not drinking and uh, a lot of harm comes from me to other upon others when i'm not drinking as well um, and we'll get into all the different various types of harms but that is really what we're talking about here so what do i why do i need to self-search level my pride and convince and, and confess my shortcomings in order for this process to come into full consummation well i just said that if i don't look at myself and i don't confess my shortcomings to another person um i will not be able to understand the truth which then my higher power in turn will not remove any problems emotionally that i have because i refuse to do the work to look at myself so yes believing in a higher power is important but not doing the work results in no results and if i don't believe in a higher power uh if i do the work then all of a sudden i see that the uh the program works and miraculously you believe in a higher power just from the results themselves so it can go one of two ways alcoholics are wonderful at rationalizing this higher power um into a version that they think other people have to believe or that there isn't anything bigger than themselves whatsoever and then and the and the debate goes round and round when it's actually very quite simple when it relates to to this program so now we know that the spiritual toolkits uh it, that's laid at our feet which is the message that i'm carrying through the literature is the steps that is the kit that you will use um to live your life uh and your higher power will uh assist you uh, along the way by removing um, blocks 
emotionally that keep you from having a contented, useful life without the need for alcoholism, uh, for without the need of alcohol. So you are an alcoholic when you're recovered. You that never changes, um, but you are um, you are a uh, recovered alcoholic at that point. So um, that took me a while to contemplate and to uh, reflect upon. But uh, we're going to read more about the uh, the uh, the higher power um, momentarily. But for now, we still are trying to blend step one into step two, um, which is what takes me to the next paragraph. Um, if we look at page 27, um, there's a story prior to that uh, that talks about a doctor um, who is uh, Dr. Carl Jung, if you've heard of him. He is one of the founding fathers of psychiatry. Um, he uh, was a dear friend of Alcoholics Anonymous, and Bill Wilson um, was uh, was uh, um, using Carl Jung's um, methods about the psyche about the psyche uh, as it relates to this program. And you'll see that uh, Jung um, is the uh, is the human aid factor of this program. Um, he uh, does provide the psychiatric self-searching component of the program. Um, it's, it is a spiritual program, but there is psychiatric work that needs to be done on oneself in order to have a psychic change. Because, you know, obviously the root word of psychiatry is psychic, so you have to have a psychic change, which is what? What is a psychic change? So if you look to, uh, as far as it relates to AA, Okay, um, again, you need to be open-minded with your vocabulary on what the definition of a psychic change is. Well, that's in here as well. So if we go and turn to page 27, um, in the middle of the third full paragraph, it says, in the mid towards the middle of the page, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. So that is a psychic change. My change I changed my ideas, my emotions change, my attitudes uh, on what you know I had thought the world is and what my uh, emotions how my my emotions reacted to them. These all have to be cast completely to one side. You know, that, that means, think, do a hand motion of casting it away, you know, and replacing them with new concepts and new motives that begin to dominate that person. Now, you want to you know, call that brainwashing? That's a scary word. Um, my alcoholic mind, when I knew nothing about what a psychic change was, went straight to brainwashing. Um, you guys are trying to, you know, join, help me join this cult so you can have uh, more control over another soul on earth. And uh, there was no way that was going to happen. So thank you very much. I won't drink and I'll, you know, get on with my life. Um, I admit I'm an alcoholic and it goes back to the guy who couldn't stay sober on self-knowledge alone. And the story about more about alcoholism. And so I didn't know what a psychic change was until my sponsor pointed out this story and there is a solution about Carl Jung. 
And, I, you know, again, I highly advise you to read that, but I'm talking about the main points here on, so you can tie the steps together when you read the book with your sponsor. Um, but these, uh, these underlined sentences I'm reading, um, if, you're not, if your sponsor doesn't know about them or is giving you their opinions and they can't show you this in the book, you better be careful that you may be with the wrong individual and may need to politely fire them and move on to someone who does. Remember, this is life or death. This isn't about people-pleasing or looking good um, or getting somebody's approval that you like. In fact, my sponsor I didn't even like. I was picking people that I liked because I wanted their approval and I wanted a good new friend to be codependent with in my non-drinking career. But if they didn't know this program, um, I didn't realize that uh, this would not work in the long run. Um, so we know what a psychic change is. Now let's go to the top of that page and we'll read what Dr. Young also said in the second full paragraph towards the top. He said, the doctor said, that's Dr. Young, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover. All right, he's not even saying there's little hope for your recovery, like Dr. Silkworth said in the doctor's opinion. And he was a medical doctor. This is a psychiatric doctor. So the psychiatric doctor saying absolutely no, no hope. There's no single case that I know of, and I, he's worked with other alcoholics as well, that has ever recovered with the mind of a chronic alcoholic. So that would be terrible, terrible news, wouldn't it? You know, I'm doomed. You might as well just stick a fork in me. Um, I'm going to die. So what do I do? Well, there is, you know, hope. And that psychic change is the hope, which the medical doctor endorsed as well. Because remember, the medical doctor, Dr. Silkworth, saw the steps in motion and, and, and people's lives were changing. So part of how the steps were constructed by Bill was through the help of many individuals, three primarily, Silkworth was one of them, Dr. Young was another, and the third was a spiritual individual, his name was William James. So Bill Wilson just didn't come up with these steps overnight. He wrote down the 12 steps. There's a story about how he just wrote them down and they all came to him, but he had a lot of research and a lot of homework that had to happen and a lot of experiences with other people where there would be partial recovery, but never full long-term recovery. So what Bill was able to do was take people from the medical community, which is the physical part of the disease, which is Dr. Silkworth, right? He was a physical chief physician. And then you had Dr. Carl Young, who is a mental physician, mental doctor, okay? And then William James, who was part of the church, but um, he also wrote on these spiritual experiences that were necessary for people to change their lives. So if you do one of the three or two of the three, then you will most likely relapse. So all three experts had their own expertise in the physical, in the mental, and the spiritual. And so what Bill did was tie them all together into one program. It's really not that complicated. He didn't have this miracle of knowledge poured into him all at once. It took time for Bill Wilson to tie the teachings of these three individuals together to create one 12-step program. So now we're on the spiritual. So in order to believe 
Bill Wilson is leading us into the mental because the mental is what's going to come first. Steps four through ten with the help of a higher power is focusing on the emotional and mental part of this disease. So we're going to be talking about um, self-searching, character flaws, and making amends to other human beings. And these, these, these are necessary in order for us to get to the spiritual contact with our higher power in the end of the program, which is steps 11 and 12. So hopefully that, that helps you understand why we're tying in all these 12 steps as I give you a sneak peek of what's to come because all the steps are interwoven together. They're taught separately, but they're interwoven when you work them. So he, he leads us in from the disease into the spiritual, but first we have to understand there's a higher power and that there's work for us to do in order to gain conscious contact with it. Um, so we will talk about the spiritual part now. So we have, I, I just covered the three people. I jumped ahead to William James. So again, this isn't my opinion. I'm sticking to the literature. So if you turn to page 28, we'll see here that, uh, there was a gentleman named William James. And if you, um, look at page 28, um, the first, uh, second full paragraph, we in our turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or if you prefer, a design for willing, excuse me, a design for living that really works. Okay, so this design for living, what's the design for living? The uh, design for living is the uh, is the 12 steps and that's the definition of the spiritual toolkit the uh, and who taught us you know who said that that we came from the prior page spiritual toolkit laid at our feet uh, dr. Silkworth talked about a few simple rules if we follow those those are the steps and then again here we are in design for living which are also the 12 steps so you've got a Hopefully, if you don't know, Bill Wilson didn't like using the same descriptions and the same words over and over again because he considered himself an English scholar um, and he wanted to shake up his vocabulary. So whenever he uses different terms, as far as this book is concerned, it makes it a heck of a lot easier if the reader understands that uh, it means the same thing every time you read it, even though it's described or he's using a different word to describe it. So tools, spiritual toolkit, design for living, all mean the 12 steps. So in the next paragraph here, he says to distinguish American psychologists. So he was like a religious psychiatrist, if you will, a psychologist. So Dr. Young was also a uh, psychiatrist as well. But uh, so, was, so was this next person, William James. Um, and he wrote the book, The Varieties of Religious Experiences. So um, he was heavily involved in, um, in, in God and religion and faith. And that definitely has a, a, a part here that people were gravitating toward um, that a component that in, in, in of it by itself, church didn't work, religion didn't work. Otherwise, we wouldn't need AA. I mean, there's many people who have gone to church and have pleaded to God to work for their recovery on their hands and knees and were not granted this wish. So, you know, but there was still moments of uh, these 
you know, spiritual awakenings or experiences uh, that the uh, sufferer had where, in fact, for a while they were um, abstaining from drinking, but they still constantly relapsed. So there was something here that the religious uh, people figured out, but um, the, re the, the program, um, although uh, written by a Christian, um, he even says that this is not a, a religious program. Um, and it's hard to separate that out when you're reading this because it was written in the 30s. Religion is all they knew. Um, but um, he says that it's not. And if you don't believe me, we'll jump ahead to page 93 um, in a chapter called Working with Others. Um, if you look at the very last sentence at the bottom of the page, uh, 93 says, we represent no particular faith, and going into 94, or denomination. We are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. Again, we represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. So that in alone is... Um, is uh is 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 saying straight out that this is a spiritual program it's not a um you know a religious one so um and on page 93 um in the middle of the page or towards the bottom of the page in the third second full paragraph it says faith alone is insufficient to be vital faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action so back to where we were, um, and that's from the literature too. I read that on 93. So if we go back to page 28, um, William James wrote a book on varieties of religious experiences, but religion in itself is not the answer to suf the suffering of a chronic alcoholic. Um, so here we are now understanding that if you have some belief now that you come to believe that you can be restored to sanity. It's because your higher power will provide you with the relief to learn the program along the way because it knows that that's where you're at. Whatever it is just removes the obsession by learning the program, which is wonderful. Um, but once we know the program, um, it, knowing it is not in itself enough, we have to practice it with constructive action. So, um, that is the, uh, there is a solution for this podcast uh, portion of it. Um, there's going to be um, a follow-up podcast where we're going to read um, the appendix. Uh, in fact, we can do that next time because we need to understand that uh, spiritual experiences are required. So we're going to go to, if you want to read it for your homework assignment in advance, uh, in, in Appendix 2 of the big book um, on page 367, um, it's going to explain um, on those two pages the recovery uh, process as it pertains to having a spiritual experience versus a spiritual awakening. Um, and what the alcoholic needs to have um, in order to um, to recover. It's how they do it. Um, I mentioned in the prior podcast, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. So if you don't have those three essentials, um, there's no way that 
or at least be willing to, you know, to grow having those three essentials. There's no way that you're going to believe you have a disease. And even if you get that far, the, the solution is going to be balked at right away, is the used word balk in this book as well. So um, hopefully that makes more logical sense on what kind of higher power he is we're trying to believe in here, or not what kind, but how we get to it. And they're different for everybody. You know, your higher power is unique in its fingerprint for you. Just like your DNA and your fingerprints are unique, your spiritual experiences are unique. And, and that, no one's taking that away from, the, from, from, the, from, from anybody. But the directions to get to your higher power are the same. You know, they apply to us all. Um, these are the physics of spirituality for a chronic alcoholic. And if you follow these, uh, these rules, this design for living, um, these, they call them suggestions. Remember I said in the last podcast that alcoholics don't like to be told what to do. You can call them suggestions, but after a while, you'll start to see that they're not just mere suggestions. That's just to woo the newcomer into giving something a try they wouldn't under anyone else's authority. So... Um, I like to keep these podcasts a little bit short. Um, I don't want to keep them maybe over between 30 and 40 minutes. Um, it's a lot to take in, and I like to separate them out. So the uh, the next uh, podcast will be on the spiritual uh, experience in the appendix. Spend some time on that, and then we'll move into uh, another. Uh, we're not far from done from step two, um, and we're going to talk about opening your mind a little bit more in uh, in the agnostics, and then we're going to read um, this 12 and 12 step two. These are all things you can read in advance, uh, but um, as a, as for time purposes, um, um, you'll be a, you'll have to flip to the next podcast to get to the next section. So uh, hopefully that was helpful, and um, if you have any questions, again, feel free to email me, and God bless you all. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.